And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. How do I sound now? I sound okay? Would you ask Pop that question? Let's do it. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show. Monday through on the Athletic Podcast Network. Okay, here we go. All right, it's another edition of Hoops Adjacent on the Athletic MBA Show. David Aldrich here in D.C. Marcus in the Bay. Westside. What the Warriors going to do, man? They're going to make a trade? What they going to do? You know, I think they might do something, actually. They started yeah. off with this. We're not doing anything, but they're, they're getting a bit aggressive. Uh, <laughs> I think they might probably, be a little active. I mean, look, look, they're, they are, and our guests will know all about this, they are getting the options available, but whether they do something is going to be above. <laughs> it's going to be to the ones who signs the checks, right? right. <laughs> so, but I, but right. I do feel like they're they're like actively trying to get some scenarios to put in front of them. But I, I don't I don't know the I don't think he's going to part with him. He might sacrifice one youngster on the altar of the president, yeah. but I don't think be, be it better be the right one. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no, right, I, don't right, right. I don't think it's happening. Right. Let's get our, our our guest in. That's why we have him here this week, because it's the trade deadline. We want to get in somebody that knows what, what that's like. Our buddy Billy King's GM. Looking all everybody. fresh. Looking all GM. like, I ain't, I ain't dealing with y'all. <laughs> right. <laughs> this ain't my life. <laughs> exactly. Right. I, I just get to read and enjoy. Exactly. Man, man. Well, look, I got to ask you about the the – the Kyrie trade first, Billy, because I know it's a different owner and a different group than than what you have, but it's the same pressure in Brooklyn. And what is that, man? What is it like being up in Brooklyn when you you know you got this this five million pound behemoth you're trying to fight every day with the Knicks trying to get on the back page and and win games and win fans and all that? What is that pressure like to have to do something at the deadline? Well, for for us, it was it was. Going into when we were in New Jersey for the first years, and then we had new building open, so we knew we had to go in. With, you know, we had to have a team going in, so that that was yeah. the pressure I faced. Everybody, every board meeting was like, you know, we got to have stars, we got to have something as we open the new building. So that was an internal pressure that I always faced. Um, and then Perkrop put out there when he bought the team, they're going to win championship five years. So that was another internal pressure that we had to face. But you know, I never really focused so much on trying to beat the Knicks and be better than the Knicks because, you know, they they have years of tradition. And to yeah. me, it was like, how do we build something that people in Brooklyn can be proud of? So I was always trying to find guys that fit the mold of being Brooklyn. And, you know, when I moved there and uh, living in Brooklyn, I got a feel for Brooklyn. So I was trying to find people that fit that. Um, and, you know, we, we went for it, didn't work, and, you know, tried to retool. And then, you know, Sean retooled it and he went for it and now he's he's in that retool mode that has to be i always say new york's the best place to live if you're doing well (laughs) you know what i mean like if you're successful it's great but you know everybody has has struggles and strife during their careers and things and i just it's got to be incredibly difficult to kind of have to put yourself out there and and take a risk you know it's a risk right like you know Bringing in Garnett and Pierce is a risk, even though they're great players. They're older players, but yeah. 
but it's a risk and you got to take the shot, you know? And I just wonder like, you know, where, where do you, what do you tap into to say, yeah, I'm just going to put it, I'm just going to put them all out there. I'm going to put it on the line. Well, I think if you're trying to win a championship, that's what you do. Um, you look at deals. If you're trying to win, you're going all in a lot of times. And, um, and sometimes you, you're hesitant, but you, and every time you make a deal, you're always in your back of mind, like, what if this backfires? Um, you know, what if these guys aren't what we thought they are when we're making the trade? Um, but, you know, but I, I think if you're competing and trying to win a championship, then you got to make deals. You got to try to make deals to, to do that. Otherwise, you know, you can easily play it safe and just draft and hopefully it works out. Um, very rarely it, it does. Very rarely do you get the chance to see the young talent develop to become those stars. Obviously, you're not in the, in the room in Brooklyn anymore, but like outside looking, I mean, how, how wild of a position is that? Kyrie is such a superstar in a place you need to have a superstar and they trade him and don't get a superstar back. But like, it's not like Kyrie went to jail, right? Like, <laughs> it's almost like, gee, I mean, are you, I mean, can you wear out a welcome more than that? Where it's like, you ain't really done that, that bad. You just done a lot of stuff that's driving me crazy that we got to get rid of a superstar. Like, I mean, I, that's, it just seems like a unique situ- unique situation considering the player and the talent. Well, yeah, I mean, th- you're trading for a talent like that, but at some point you got to you got to cut your losses and say what's the best for the team. And I think they got to that point to be able to do a deal that you know. And I think sometimes you get so caught up, well, I don't want to lose this trade because we're trading a star. We can't got to bring a star back. Sometimes you just got to build a team. And I think back to Larry Brown when we we're here in Philadelphia. And when we were trading Jerry Stackhouse, I think he was drafted number three in the draft in his second year. We knew we needed a shot blocker. And so we went for Theo Ratliff. Not a lot of people knew he was, and we got Aaron McKee. But it was like, that's what we were. We weren't saying, well, we got to get a guy that was a top five pick. We're trying to get a center. And that, to me, and I think so many times people worried about winning the press conference that you forget about doing the best deal to make the team better. If, yeah. if you're if you're like in a Dallas situation, how, how much of a trade like that is ownership? How much of it is GM or is that completely varied per team and situation? Because that, you know, some people might say that deal won't work or that, that you know, Kyrie and Luka together won't work. And some people might think it's great. And I imagine there was division at some point in there. Like, how does that well, uh, work? Usually as a GM, you know, you, you start the conversation or your assistant GM starts the conversation, but then you get involved. And on a deal like this, you got to go to the ownership and say, okay, this is what's on the table. And then they ask your opinion. And sometimes you may say, I'm not sure if I want to do it. And the owner goes, no, I want to do this. And so no matter what, even if you may not want to do it, when the owner says, I want to do it, you come out and say, you wanted <laughs> you to do, do this it. deal. <laughs> uh, so, say, we you know, sick, boss. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you come on and say, yeah, we, we this is a deal we thought was best for us. Um, but then sometimes that owner, that conversation starts at the ownership level. I think when it was uh, Shaq to uh, Phoenix, that was started at the ownership level. And then it trickled down to the GM to do the trade call. Uh, right. So, but generally the owners are involved. When you're, when you're talking stars and you're talking potential signing a guy at the end, if he's a free agent, you got to get the owners involved because it's their money. When you're doing you know, a deal that is not at the Magnet All-Stars, you still get the owner's blessing, but you know, they tend to sign off on those if it's not financially crippling at all. But when it's a star level, uh, owners definitely get involved. Would you, would you rather have an owner that really follows it closely and has really strong opinions about players and might have, you know, 
because of that have opinions different than yours? Or do you want a dilettante who doesn't know anything, but then doesn't know anything? <laughs> um, I like an owner that understands sports, yeah. but doesn't understand the, the all the details of a player and stats and, and is so consumed with it that they're reading and, and buying into everything they read. Um, the best owner I ever had was Ed Snyder. Uh, ran it for Comcast and Brian Roberts because Ed understood sports and he understood trade because he, you know, he ran the Flyers and the hockey. So he would tell me in, in sports terms and trade terms and scouting terms from the sports level. Uh, but when it came down to, is this guy a good player or not player, you know, he could look at the stats uh, and he would ask me questions about age wise, you know, where he may see his, in, you know, when you show him the injury of a player history, he may say, wait a minute, he's been injured this much. That's where I, I value his opinion, where it was more of the knowledge based of making trades, um, what it's done in hockey and basketball. But um, it's tough when you have owners that are really, really into the, into the weeds of the analytics and numbers um, because there's so much information out there. You can make information read the way you want it to fit the story you want. That sounds familiar, DA. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Is that <laughs> when, so? You know, we got we got a few guys who like like when is a guy untradeable? It feels like nobody's really untradeable anymore. Like you know, you got a guy like Westbrook out there with a huge contract. You know, uh, like John Wall hadn't played in forever. Right? Are we past the days where? Eh, you can move any, or are we to the point where you can move anybody? You just find the, you know, I don't want to say sucker, but find somebody who believes. <laughs> well, I, I always believe that you can trade anybody. I've, I've always felt that way when you, you know, I've had owners when I've signed guys who deal with owner goes, you're not going to be able to trade it. I said, promise, we can trade it. And then when they do, you go, you're right. You can always find, and sometimes it may take two or three team deals or four or five team deals, but you can trade anybody. And as DA, no, I love to. <laughs> Put four, you were the yeah, master. Put, put, put as many teams in the deal. That you do. Have you ever done a straight up deal? <laughs> like, it feels like you just like you play like Scrabble with it. Like, hold on, let's go. Well, we get the ninth team in it. Well, because as you start doing it, and you think like, all right, I know they want this. Let me see if they'll take that guy. Oh yeah, then you know. Then next, you know, like, oh, I can move this, and you just. It's it, that's the fun part about trying to get deals done because you you know what everybody wants and you try to get the right pieces. So I, I always try to start out with two teams and then it just added three, four, five. You know, it just added up somehow. Would you would you be? I mean, I wonder if you would you be comfortable in this in this age where it seems that there are that that if a trade of, of the magnitude you like to put together was was coming together and getting serious that tends to get out a little quicker now than it used to <laughs> and would you be would you be more gun shy about trying to put together a deal like that because you know it's going to get out well you got to know your partners who you're dealing with um there's certain guys you know that you can do a deal with and it's not going to get out so you get that part done and once you get all the parts done then you go bring in the people that may talk yeah. And say, look, here's we got to do this, but we don't have much time. I need it. I need a quick answer. And then once they say, yeah, let me talk to my owner, but I think we can do this. And then you get it moving quickly that way. Uh, you don't have time to start talking three and four. You got to get the one part, 
one-on-one going and then you go to the other one and say okay would you do this and they say yeah and then you go okay let's go let's get the league involved um, see see billy hope you 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 hit a you hit a butt for me <laughs> me and da we constantly hear criticism about leaks and all oh, you guys report anonymous sources i feel like that's y'all business to work out why y'all not calling out the talkers? Like, do you ever go to them and be like, yo, why are you? I know it was you. Why are you running your mouth like a neighborhood gossip? Like, you're killing us. Well, but there are sometimes you know who they are, and you just, but you need to deal with them. So you just wait until the last So you can't. Last say, possible. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, yeah. 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 So you, you wait put them on blast. Yeah. Or, or you'll say, like, look, I'm going to just talk to you and nobody else in your staff. You know, this has got to be between us. If it gets out, then we have no deal. Yeah. And so, so you can try to eliminate some of the people, you know, and sometimes it may be the leak may come from in your, on your side too. So you try to eliminate those people until you have to. And then sometimes when it gets to the ownership level, it leaks. So you got to wait yeah. when you present it to them as well. And you can't go to the owner and say, yo, man, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> Why are you leaking so, shit? Yeah. I mean, it's I such know. an interesting dynamic, like, because yeah. you gotta, and then sometimes you might want it leaked. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, sometimes you yeah, might be like, you know what, that. we need this out there. Like, especially yeah. you, Mr. Game of Thrones. You probably, <laughs> I'm gonna leak this to work this move, set up this four moves later. You know what I'm saying? So, it's, it's, it's an odd place to be in. Yeah. Where it's like, I don't want stuff to leak except for when I want it to leak, right? Like, exactly. <laughs> you, you, you want to try to control the information when you need be. And, and it's it's a delicate balance. Um, but there, I mean, there was one time a GM told me, like, look, I know your coach loves to leak stuff. Let's not get him involved until we have to. <laughs> so the conversation, right. we would take the conversation all the way to the end. And I say, hey, by the way, we're going to do this deal. <laughs> and we're, gonna, we're having a trade call. And so then it doesn't get out. Is it is it like, you saw Moneyball. Is it like that scene where they tra- they're doing all these trades and the guys and what's his name? Um, oh God, I'm terrible with names now. He says when they say yes, just hang up the phone. Don't even don't talk anymore. <laughs> you know what oh I mean? yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. When you, once you, I had a team that we we're making a deal, um, and they said, "Look, I got a yes in the room, but we got to move quickly in case they change their mind. So let's get a trade call going before my group changes their mind. Somebody gets cold feet." And so you run and do it really quick before, you know, because they say, all right. I mean, they call and say, look, we've got a yes, but we got to go quickly before somebody changes their mind. So then. Yeah. And then, yeah. And, but then, then you got to call the league and give them all. Now, before you used to give the league, like, I'm trading these two guys and here's the contracts. It was, all right. And you get on the call and, like, you know, they ask for a certain doc. Now there's a lot more documentation you got to present to the league before you even get the trade call. So, um, so it takes a little longer to get that done. So you got to get all that stuff lined up ahead of time. Is it the medicals and stuff like that? It's medical. It's life insurance. If you have, as if there's life insurance, you know, the injury history, you got to give documentation of all that. You get if there's MRI, you know. So you got to present all that to the league ahead of time, um, so then they can look at it. So when the trade call comes, they have all the information. You're not waiting on it because there in the past when I was in Philadelphia, that times. You be doing a trade call and you get to the end. They go, "Is there life insurance?" And the team may say, "I'm not sure we have life insurance." Let me see if I can get all our CFO. And then they're trying to call the CFO, and so then we got to delay for three hours till they find out if we got life insurance on them. You know, so then the trade call is held, put on hold until you get that information back. So that area, they've done a better job in cleaning it up, so all the information is you know taken care of beforehand. You know, we've got a, a, a really popular uh, general manager who 
contract is up, you know, Bob Myers doesn't know if he's coming back. You know, there's talks about, you know, he wants to be paid more. There's, you know, I, I know Bob, Bob might just go do something else. Yeah. I was wondering, in light of what you're saying, like, how how tough is it to be a GM now in this era of social media and player empowerment movement? And how could you possibly know if you're like, Bob, like, what do you do? Right? Like, like, how do you determine, yeah, I want to do this or not? Because you, you at some point hit that crossroad. Well, it's one of the greatest jobs you can have if you like competition and you like competing and you like figuring trades out and rosters and personalities. But it's one of the most stressful jobs you can have, too, because really everything falls on you, whether it's the owner upset falls on you, players upset, the agent falls on you, the coach upset about a player falls on you. And your job is really as general manager is to manage all the personalities General and manager, right? General manager, yeah. Everybody. yeah. <laughs> and and I said, yeah, it took me a while to realize what my <clears throat> job was, especially when I was in Philadelphia, in Brooklyn, is my job on the off days, I had to get Allen Iverson, Larry Brown to the games because then we had a chance to win. <laughs> so the job was to make sure, and that's really what the general manager's job is, to make sure you get all these players and all the coaches to the game as healthy as possible to give yourself a best chance to win. Because on those off days, there's injuries, there's comments made in the paper, there's certain things. So your job is to how do you manage all that so that if you play on Wednesday, so you can get them all there Wednesday so you can play. And then when that game's over, on Friday you play again. So now you got it from third Wednesday night to Friday to get them all back to that next game. So that's 82 games a year that you got to do that. And then counting playoffs. I mean, it's literally... <laughs> I gotta get him to. I gotta get him to the arena on time, yeah. especially with Allen, right? So. Yeah. But, but, it, it, but it, it, it's, it. it's almost like if you got a, if if you got the, the Rolling Stones or if you had Earth, Wind, and Fire, you tour managers. I, I got to get them to the concert. Everybody bought yeah. tickets. I got to yeah. get them there, you know, because you know, show's over. You don't know where the next show's and next night. I got to get them there because you know, once you're you get the them tour, there, yeah, right, right, they're gonna have a great yeah. performance. So your job is to get those buses going, get them to that. All right, they perform. Boom. When's the next show? Yeah. You, you know what's unique about that? Like, as you talk about it, it makes me think about it. It sounds like you really got to have a competent staff, right? And not just like assistant, but like all that lower level stuff you're talking about on the way up to like got to be on point. But especially in the NBA, a lot of those dudes don't want to stay there, right? And they're <laughs> they're like, so you're like, all right, I need you to be good at this. But also, you know, these people are trying to get up the ladder. So that yeah. seems like another extra layer of complication. Well, it's, it's, it's about communication skills. You've got to be able to communicate to the players, the agents, ownership. It's, there's all these constituents that you've got to be able to communicate with and understand and know the vibe. Like I in Brooklyn, I would sit and have breakfast when the players came in so I can see their moods coming in. Then during lunch, I would sit there and eat lunch and just sort of see their moods going on. So I knew, okay, there may be a problem here. Let me try to hit that off. And I may call the agent, anything going on? And he'd give me a heads up. So then the next day, I'll talk to that player. Or, you know, it's just sort of understanding the personalities and how their vibe is going and making sure that, you know, they all are ready to play every game. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, we you hear every time there's a, a trade to a team that already has a superstar that so-and-so team consulted the superstar. In Dallas's case, you know, they talked to Luca and Luca was all in on the trade. And I, you, who knows if that's true or not, right? Well, nobody knows if it's true. But do you did you ever did you constantly or consistently feel like if there's a trade coming in, I'm not looking for AI's approval. But I do have to let him know that this is happening. This, was that kind of a regular thing? Yeah, like when we did the Glenn Robinson, which it didn't work out. But I just gave him a heads up. I said, "Hey, we may be getting Glenn Robinson." He said, "Oh man, yeah." You know, then he would get excited. Or mm-hmm. like the Chris Webber one was really difficult because he had a trade kick in his contract, even though he could not get the kicker because he was already at a max salary. He still had to waive it. So Sacramento had to reach out to Chris and talk to him. Once he landed to get his approval, which pretty much told him they were trying to trade him. And then I reached out to Alan and said, okay, I need you to reach out to Chris to convince him, you know, because we need him. And Alan goes, yeah, yeah, I'll make that call. So there are times that you do that. And there are times you ask for players' opinion because they they know these guys. What do you think about this guy? You know, mm-hmm. will he fit? You know, and get their input, you know, and it doesn't make it a final decision, but if they say, no, we don't want that guy, he doesn't work, or this guy's always late, or, you know, you want to try to get their input because if they, especially the Super if, if Luca didn't want him, they wouldn't have done the deal because it's not going to work. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. you know, you give him right. pieces and the deal doesn't make. So you, he's got to like not get his sign off on it, but you want to make sure like he's okay. He, if he says, yeah, I mean, I'll make it work, or if he says, hell no, I don't want to do it, then you don't do it. When, when did the trade deadline? kick in really for you like when did it get hot uh and it, does it feel about the same or maybe it's happening a little bit sooner now i always tried to do it sooner but just some people did you know the deadline makes people want to wait and wait and make the decision to me i love to try to get it done because if you can get a deal done earlier in like four or five days before then it allows you to do something else <laughs> if you right. go to the end then you're limited to what you could do so i always tried to get it done as soon as possible because even if you got it agreed upon four or five days ahead, you can almost like what they tried to do with the Brooklyn Dallas, 
hold it a little bit, maybe try to make it a three team or four team by adding some pieces involved. Because once it leaks out, everybody start calling you. Hey, if you don't want so-and-so, yeah. I will take him. If you don't want this, we'll take him. That, as soon as it leaks out, everybody starts calling, like trying to get pieces. They start calling the team that they're trading to superstar from. We'll give you this. And if you got a good trading partner, we, you know, they gave that word. But then you start trying to move other pieces. When, when does you, when do you tell, what day do you tell the family? All right, y'all got to leave me alone now. It's, <laughs> is that like the day before, two days before, a <laughs> week before? <laughs> no, no, they just, they just know that like the phone, you're going to be on the <laughs> phone all the time. Like <laughs> yeah. Well, and then I always made a point of not trying to be around the team on my cell phone at practice or on the bus or on the plane optics if, right if, yeah if uh, i was traveling you're with... supposed to be on the phone you got to get their hand because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> nah, yeah because i always like if i was in practice and the phone rang i would never pick it up i'd you know i may walk out like i'm going to get something and then make the call back but i you know i tried not to be on the phone at practice during the trade deadline because you know it, it, think about it you forget this is their livelihood and their families i mean they may have kids in school um, I had a player that I called one time and um, called this house, let him know he was traded. And his wife answered the phone and I asked, is so-and-so there? She goes, are we traded? I go, is so-and-so there? Are we traded? I, she, I said, is he there? And she goes, are we trading? If I said, yeah, we traded. I'm sorry. You know, but that's the hard thing because now it's kids got to move school. You know, that's yeah. that's the real life of it. It's not, you're not just, and everybody said, well, they make a lot of money. It's okay. But these are, if you got a kid in first or second grade and all of a sudden, Daddy's moving. They got to move schools and they go in a new city. That's that's the real life. Money don't stop that from being hard, right? Yeah. And and so then whenever you bring a player in, if they got a family, you try to make it as easy for them as possible. Um, I always was trying to like needed help with schools or whatever the families, you know. I had my staff make sure we were there, whatever they needed, because that's the hardest thing. Is you know, we traded for Darren Williams. I mean, his wife was, I think, eight months pregnant. We made the trade, you know, so, mm-hmm. you know, and then fortunately, the, the, the owners were great. We picked him up in Dallas in a Gulfstream. He flew back to Utah to be able to pack some clothes, spend some time at home, and then flew from there to the Gulfstream back, you know, just to give him a little more extra time with her until she was able to come in. Um, after That's, the day. I, I'm always fascinated by the mechanics of trades because there's just so many pieces involved because yeah. it's people. We're, yeah. We all have complicated lives you know we're reaching to a lot of different places in different directions and i've always wondered like how does that how does that happen so seemingly smoothly and i know it's not smooth because there's a lot of moving parts to it and and who's in charge of that like who do you put in charge of get this guy's car to you know brooklyn in time for the game or get or get his wife's you know luggage here in time for the game and find an apartment for them like tomorrow or find housing for them in three in 48 hours yeah i mean i had great staffs here in brooklyn and in philadelphia great staff that did a lot of that for me so i would you know uh well one time we we did the stackhouse trade as we talk about you know we agreed with detroit we split the plane they had a plane so they put jerry and theo on the plane and then we put uh I mean, they put Aaron and Theo on the plane. We put Jerry on the plane going right back. They they met yeah. at the tarmac and just switched planes. And um, we did that with the Allen to Denver. Denver, yeah, we split the plane. They flew him in, and then we, you know, Allen got on and flew back out uh, to make it as easy as possible. But, you know, there was staff that I had in charge of, you know, travel. There was a staff in charge of when they get here, you know, where they're going to stay, you um, 
whether it's the equipment people and making sure they got the right equipment luggage um so i had a lot of staff and i was i, I made sure i was involved in every aspect of it because to me that if it fails then it's going to affect the transition when we trade for dikembe i'll never forget this we get him he flew to philly he was physical and they misspelled his jersey wrong <laughs> <laughs> on the back of the jersey and so but i was in the locker room when he saw it and i made light of it and said we'll get it right but then also i had to convince i had to tell him tumbo that we we're putting him on a plane that after his physical to detroit because i needed him to play in detroit that night <laughs> and he was expecting to have the night off i said well we're gonna put you on a private plane but you, i need you to play tonight up there after the physical when, when you're bringing in a player especially one that you don't really know well like what's the process for getting to know like the kind of person you got. And sometimes you probably already know that guy, but like, yeah. like for instance, you're in Dallas, like all you probably just know what you read about Kyrie. Yeah. How, do you, <laughs> how do you, what's the process of getting to know the person when you bring them in like that? Well, if it's me, I, I, if I was in Dallas, I would, would have looked at if I know anybody in Brooklyn, did I know anybody in Boston and I know anybody in Cleveland. I've talked to our equipment people, talk to their equipment people, all these stops to find out a little bit about them. I would have, you know, I was been easy for me. I would have called Coach K at Duke and got him, but I would, I would, you know, employ all my staff to gather as much information as they can from people that we know. Like it's, you know, is he what's his favorite hotel? If he likes to stay at the Four Seasons, or when he comes to Dallas, we're gonna put him at the Four Seasons. You know, what, so I mean, all those little things that we would try to figure out if his, you know, player's wife, what is she like? You know, when she comes, is she, find out is she coming with them? When she coming? Let's make when she gets here. Let's make sure you know, how many kids they have. All right, let's make sure the kids have this when they get to the hotel. Let's make sure there's a good pack of uh, goodie bag waiting for them. You just want to make it so that because you only have one time to make a first impression. And so I want to make sure that first impression is one that they're like, okay, this is a first class organization. Let me get you out on this. Um, do you think it's going to work in Dallas with Luca and, and Kyrie? You've got two talented guys that can score that have had that had dominated the basketball. I think it'll work in the sense of when Luca, even if he throws it to Kyrie with six seconds on the clock, Kyrie can get a shot um, yeah. where they can shoot a three. You're not throwing it to a guy that that can't create a shot. He's one of the best shot creators. So. And both of them, I think Luca can do the same thing. So if Kyrie's throwing it to Luca with four seconds, he's going to get a shot. So I think, and, you know, it's just going to be the rest of the guys, to me, is the ones that got to understand their role's going to change where there may not be as many shots. You may have to go get them off the glass, but there may be some easy layups too. So their role's got to change and they got to realize these two are going to handle the ball and be, in order for them to be successful, they need Kyrie and Luca to take the most shots. And the other guys, it's their responsibility to get them the most shots, whether it's screening, offense rebounds. And if they do that and they all buy in, I think it'll work. If Because I think Luca and Kyrie going to try to make it work, and along with Jason Kidd, it's the other guys that need to buy in to make it work to me. Because they, they need them to play defense, do all the little things to let those guys be the superstars they are. So I think they, I think they have a chance because I think those other guys – there's not a lot of other guys that have that statue that say, hey, this is my show. So I think they're all going to buy in. And 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 Jason's got a way of, uh, you know, he's been there. And so I think he'll be able to talk to those guys. Uh, I, it's I like how you put it on Dwight Powell's shoulders. So I like that. That's what Well, being a team player, Dwight. <laughs> ain't wrong, though. <laughs> because right. if, they all, if they all buy in, they're all going to get paid. Because they'll win. Yeah, that's how you got to sell it to them, right? Yeah. Like yeah. when we all we all eat, right? right. Yeah, if you if you want to get paid, 
you know, yeah. buy in and we, you know, everybody going to get rewarded at the end. Billy, man, appreciate it as always. Love, <laughs> love your insights, man. Thank you man. so much. So, yeah. Always love having you on, man. Uh, I'm glad been, to be Especially here. this time of year because I'm yeah. fa- always fascinated by this time of year because it's so weird. <laughs> it's so weird. I'm, I'm happy about how happy you look. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, <laughs> just, just, just so you know, I was, uh, when the Kyrie asked for a trade, I was in my mind like, all right, this team could offer this. To, I mean, I was working deals in my head. You, had a, se- you had a 17 trade ready, hey, didn't hey, you? Hey, yeah, he got, a, he got a war room at the house. He got a war room. He got, <laughs> he got a whole wall. Right. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't leave the blood. It never leaves the blood. Oh, man. All right, y'all. Leave that five-star review on Spotify, Google Play, Apple, wherever you get this fine American podcast. Marcus, brother, if they can't leave the five stars, what do they need to do? Keep it to yourself, you haters. We're going to send you out on a commercial flight. (laughs) You ain't getting no Gulfstream. (laughs) Middle seat, baby. (laughs) We're out. (laughs) 